Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My friends, those of you who have had more than one child probably will agree that it's hard to believe that children that come from the same parents can be so terrifically different. One may be a social butterfly and the others are rather shy and introverted. One may be athletic, another one might be a bookworm and yet another might have aptitude toward music. Some may be passive and obedient, but there's always seems to that be that one that is a little bit of a hellion. Maybe you've had one of those little problem children, I don't know. One that requires a lot more love and a lot more prayer. And in a humorous way, the one that you look at your spouse and say, is that one really mine? The Apostle Paul was a spiritual father to all sorts of congregations. He was amazed at the little congregation of, of Christians in Thessalonica. He had only been there for a couple of weeks and yet established a congregation that he, that he commended for their faithfulness. There was the city of Ephesus and the churches, the house churches there, that stood up uh, boldly, uh, even though Ephesus was the home of many Greek gods. Philippi was a dear child and, and to, to whom he wrote with, with such joyful and happy words. Uh, they were the people who watched over him when he went to prison. And then there was Corinth. And Corinth was his little problem child. The people loved Jesus, but they sure had their issues re with reflecting that love. The whole book is about the problems that they faced in that city. The members of the church struggled with leaving their old way of life behind. Sexual sins were still common. Mistrust led them to take each other to court rather than solving their issues as brothers and sisters in Christ. They had issues with faithfulness towards their marriage vows. They fought over whether it was right to eat meat that was sacrificed at an altar of an idol. They looked down on one another. The, the, the rich looked down on the poor. People would come to the Lord's Supper and divisions rather than in unity. They had all sorts of problems there. And this problem child needed a special dose of compassion and love and prayer from their spiritual fathers. So he took great pains to address each and every one of those issues that were causing chaos in the congregation. And the first of those issues that he had to deal with was was their attitude towards God's ministers or God's stewards. Many of the people had their own idea of what a good pastor should be. Since Corinth was a major Greek city, there were those who thought that a minister should be like the people of town, that they would be great philosophers. The Greeks and Romans 
Like did gifted orators like Demosthenes, remember that story of the man who learned to speak with pebbles in his mouth? There were those that thought that these are the ways that you should be able to rate a pastor. And Paul said to them, I did not come with superior wisdom or speech. He knew that his words didn't necessarily resonate with speech that matched the great orators. His vocabulary may not have been flowery and captivating as others. But it just so happened that the pastor that followed him, a man named Apollos, may have had a lot of those qualities that he was able to, by his speaking, to thrill the congregation. Now, Paul was content that he and Apollos were different pastors. He, in fact, told them, remember, I came and I planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos was the one who watered that seed. But it didn't stop the congregation from showing favorites or from choosing favorites, showing favoritism. There were those who said, I follow Paul, and you better follow Paul too. And then others said, well, I follow Apollos. And then there were some people in the congregation that said, well, have you ever heard Peter? I'm a fan of Peter. And some, in some smug way just said, well, I just follow Christ. And there was all sorts of discord and disunity, the, pa- the pastor wars started to rage, and it was beating up the body of Christ. Paul did not care to be judged by their criteria. He says, it is a trivial matter to me if I am evaluated by you or by a day in human court. Why, I do not even evaluate myself. I guess Paul wouldn't be a very good politician, would he? The, the court of public opinion didn't matter anything to him. He would simply just shoot straight from the hip. He would speak the truth because it was God's truth that he was speaking. He didn't even want to judge himself. He said, I, I can make my own judgment, but it could be way off. There's only one person that I'm concerned about with judgment, and that's my God. And nothing, and, and, and so he said, let God do the judging. Judge nothing ahead of time until the Lord comes. He will bring to light whatever is hidden in the darkness and also reveal the intentions of the heart. Paul recognized that God only had one criteria that really mattered, and that was the matter of faithfulness. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And what he meant by that is that that a steward is somebody who takes care of the property of someone else. And that property that he was talking about is the mysteries of God, the word of God itself, the gospel, the law and the gospel. Paul gets it, you see. He understands what God is looking for. And it's not that 
vocabulary and leadership and public speaking don't matter. Please understand that. They serve their purposes. However, Paul knows faithfulness trumps everything. Integrity, dependability, humility, childlike obedience to the word of God, that's what the Lord is looking for in his public servants. And so he told the people, I, I turned these things into a lesson using myself and Apollos' example of people who, were, who, who came to be faithful with that word. I did this for your benefit so that you learn from us not to go beyond what is written. Follow the, 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 the scriptures that your pastors preach to you. Don't take pride in being followers of one pastor or another and looking down on your fellow members who disagree with you. That's exactly what was going on in Corinth at this time. People were puffed, puffed up and proud um, in, in the way that they acted towards, towards others because they followed one pastor or another. When Paul reminded his troubled church that his gifts were used to plant the seed of the gospel among them and that it was Apollos who watered that same uh, good news, he reminded them, remember, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. It was the Holy Spirit that was causing growth in their hearts. The words of the Spirit expose pride and unfaithfulness in our hearts. He reminds us indeed that pride does go before the fall, doesn't it? He is the one who reveals our own pettiness and tendency to be judgmental about the most insignificant of things in our lives. Paul loved his congregation so much that he was willing to fire those arrows of law into their hearts to kill that stubborn nature that was not only hurting others, but was hurting their very relationship with their Savior and God. That needed to be done so that their pride and haughtiness could be confessed, that they could be filled with the Spirit's comforting assurance that forgiveness is found in the cross and in the open cave. Don't go beyond what is written, he says. You and I don't deserve such comfort and such freedom that the gospel gives. The Spirit, though, guides us to look back to our God who is full of grace, undeserved and, and, and unearned tender love. And that's the love that, among other things, leads us to passionately pray that our pastors remain faithful to him first and foremost. You're embarking on a new journey in your congregation in a few weeks. Two men will be serving you now, two pastors. Two pastors with different gifts, two pastors with different styles of preaching, two unique ways of serving 
And I think it's going to be easy or easier for you to understand this issue in the congregation of Corinth. It'll be easy for your flesh to get caught up in the trappings of personal preferences and personal choices. Congregation that I served near when I was, was uh, in the parish ministry had, had three pastors at the time and uh, people obviously had their favorites. And I remember the church secretary once calling me and said, you know, the people call me on Friday and ask who's preaching so they can determine who, whether they're going to go to church that Sunday or not. For all I know, they probably were doing that when I was an associate pastor too. Who knows? Uh, pastor, pastor Kepsel and I mixed up our preaching schedule so they could never figure out who was up. <laughs> you realize that the flesh is, in every one of us, is going to be concerned about substance. Our style, I mean, not substance. Just like the days of Paul. The same comparisons will be made about teaching God's word and the way that each of the pastors goes about doing their ministry. If that starts to infect your heart or the heart of the congregation, remember what Paul wanted the people to learn from him and about Paulus. Are my pastors faithful to the word of God? And faithfulness just doesn't happen. Allow both of your pastors to have time to search the scriptures and to wrestle against their lazy and their own arrogant flesh and to use the gifts that they have received, not the gifts that you perceive they should have. You see, the Lord knows his faithful pastors. When they humble your pride-filled heart, and when their preaching leads you to bow your heads and beat your chest like, the, like that, that tax collector and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, then thank the Lord for such faithfulness to the word. And when they comfort you with Jesus' good news and when they encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus, thank the Lord that you have faithful pastors whose only concern for you is, is that you know the way of salvation and that you stay connected to your Savior, Jesus. Because faithfulness is not just about the Lord requires of his stewards, but it requires it of you as well. Be faithful in teaching your children about how Jesus loves them when they are naughty or when they're nice. Be faithful in walking in holiness and giving testimony about Jesus in this, this godless, pride-filled world that we are living in. Be faithful in growing in, loving, in love by fulfilling yourself with his word and sacrament. Every pastor prays for the day to stand before God and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it should be no less for each and every one of us to hear those marvelous words when we come into the kingdom of heaven.
The Lord knows his faithful pastors. Pastors love all of Jesus' flock, even the problem children. And the Lord knows his faithful parishioners as well. So as you embark on your new journey, pray for faithfulness. Pray for your pastors. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself as well. May we all be faithful. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.